I am um, super excited to start the series with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been looking forward to this one for a while. As we talk about joy, there's nothing more needed, and uh, even um, putting that bumper together, it's just, it's just rewarding. Um, this is just a personal thing, but um, when you get to hear your, your own kid run the bumper, that's pretty fun. Um, that's pretty exciting. And so we're going to be hearing a lot from Philippians over the next couple weeks. And uh, before I forget, um, so I don't get yelled at, um, these are in the back for you to hand out for visiting. Uh, if, you, if you have people who you want to invite to the Eve Before the Eve or Jingle Jam, you can do that in the back. Got it. Um, I'm really excited to jump into Philippians together. This is going to be a really good series. Uh, this is one of those books that um, you just read the intro and you know that Paul is excited to, to write this letter. Uh, this idea of choosing joy was on purpose, but I want to start off with a phrase that I feel God gave me this week, a phrase that I hope will lead us through this amazing book um, all about joy in the book of Philippians. And here's where I think um, if we get nothing else out of the whole entire book of Philippians, here's what I hope you grab out of this entire series. I know that's kind of a big thing to ask, but as we think about this entire series, I hope that we don't mix up the God of joy with joy being our God. Does that make sense? Because I think so often we can make the attributes of God our God and not God himself. And so let's not mix up the God of joy who brings joy with the feeling of joy being our God. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. I desire to make my wife happy, even when she calls me out on Sunday mornings for setting her up. I still desire to make her happy, even though that happened, which you were truly right to do. I, kudos to you for that. Um, but I truly desire to make her happy. And every single decision and every single thing that I want to do is oftentimes based on her happiness. And I have oftentimes, um, unfortunately, uh, made happiness either a god in my marriage, and I don't know if you've been there before, but in our marriage, we can make happiness a God. I'm just trying to strive for happiness and, and not explosions in my house. Or on the opposite end, I can make Carrie a God and making sure that I serve her and make sure that everything happens so that she is happy. Both of those are not able to handle the kind of worship that God is able to handle. Both of those weren't designed to carry the weight of worship. Happiness itself was not meant to carry it. Joy itself was not meant to carry it. Carrie was not meant to carry it. Your spouse was not meant to carry the worship. And we've mentioned that before. And so circumstances change. And some will cause her happiness to be up there and some will not. And her happiness and my happiness only come ultimately though from one source and that is her relationship with Jesus Christ, my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the same is true in the book of Philippians. Your joy only comes from one source and that source is Jesus Christ. He is the only one able to handle the weight of the worship. He's the only one able to handle the things that, that you feel are changing all around you. He is the only one that will not change. He is the only one able to supply joy, maintain joy, and offer us true joy and true fullness this season. But, but, but I feel God, joy, I feel like he's changed. I feel like he's not filling me. I feel like he's not around. I feel like it's been a rough year and you may be feeling that this morning and I know your feelings and I, I am with you completely and our thinking and our feelings may try to persuade us otherwise, but despite your feelings and despite your logic, the truth is, as we'll see over this amazing series, God has not moved. He is true and his happiness is true, and he desires to bring joy. He is the God of joy, and he is constant. He is a source of joy, and there's just no other way around it. 
At Christmas, we get the privilege of watching that joy come as a baby, offering us joy that, we can, that can break through all of our skepticism, bring us out of isolation, and a joy that was promised as a great joy, a mega joy. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11 say it like this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what we are looking forward to. That is who we're worshiping this morning, who we continue to worship this series, one who brings us great joy. Paul puts it another way in Philippians. He's going to call it mega joy, this great joy. And that is here, whether you believe it or not. And so I'm hoping that you choose to believe your Savior, that he offers you joy. And as you do that, you get to choose joy this Christmas, whether you receive it or not, whether, whether your circumstances bring it or not, that's what is offered to you during this season, a joy that is only what he can bring. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through um, 11 this morning. I want to give you a little bit of background on this letter because it's going to help you understand the writing of the letter. It's going to help you understand why he's writing to them. So just a couple things. If you want to know how this church was planted, it was planted by the Apostle Paul. So this is a young church plant, okay? And they were planted by the Apostle Paul. And the first converts were a wealthy clothing designer, uh, a Roman prison guard and an irritating demon-possessed girl. And irritating is on purpose because Paul calls her irritating, okay? Uh, and so a little girl, she was really annoying. You can read the whole story in Acts chapter 16. And isn't it amazing that in 2020, the Bible still makes sense that the first people to start this uh, church in Philippi was a strong, wealthy woman who had really high-end clients, a police officer in a Roman jail, and a demon-possessed servant slave, right? And you think, well, who else would start a church? That would be great. And so they all start this church, and, and, and they are with Paul as he plants this church. You should read Acts 16. It's fantastic. And what we have right in front of us here in the book of Philippians is a 10-year-old church plant. And it was a town of retired military. And as a, reta- a town of retired military, their idol was Rome itself, I mean, they just lived, breathed, ate, drank Rome. I mean, if there was anything that you would come against them, and if it went against Rome at all, you'd have a big issue. And so Rome was their idol. It was a huge military town. And then last but not least, Paul, as he's writing this letter to the Philippians, was under house arrest in Rome at the time. Now imagine that, not just house arrest, but you're chained to the guard. And so guys in the room, think with me just for a second of how irritating and obnoxious this would be to be chained to somebody 24 hours a day that you never get away from that person for days, weeks, months on end. You want to go get a snack? He comes with you. You want to go get the mail? He comes with you. You want to go work outside and work in the garage? He's right there with you. You need to go to the bathroom? All right, bro. Come on, I got to go. It's a whole thing. Like the guy's just always there. And Paul is under these circumstances right into this church in Philippi. And he is telling them about joy that can be found even in the midst of suffering, which is amazing. This book of Philippians, I would really encourage you to read it straight through. Uh, It'll take you about mm, 15 minutes. If you really kind of slow pace, it'll take you about 17. If you want a good app over this holiday season, there's an app called Dwell. And uh, what I've been doing is listening to Philippians on this app because it will read it for you. And uh, you get to pick your voices. And I'm telling you, there's nothing better than at seven o'clock in the morning to hear Felix from Africa read Philippians to you. I mean, that's just, doesn't get any better. You're like, and our Lord God. And you're like, yes. 
yes, go, Felix. And so I get to listen to Felix as he reads Philippians to me, and he reads the entire book in about 17 minutes, okay? And it gives me a great commute. It gives me an opportunity to be in Philippians far more often than I, than I, than I, uh, than I ever want to be or should be, but it, it's great, and I love it, and it just is an amazing thing. So I would encourage you to read through it. Uh, the Dwell app is a, is a great app if you want to download that. Uh, it'll actually... Um, Read the book of Philippians for you as well. But it's great to read the entire letter. Like I said, it's not very long. It'll be great to work through. All right, so let's just dive in. We're going to take this kind of verse by verse this morning and pull out some things that I feel like are important to us as we start our journey through Philippians and as we start this series on joy. Verse 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That was kind of a normal intro. If you read any of Paul's letters, you're going to see basically grace to you and peace is kind of his normal routine and how he enters into letters. There's some discrepancy. He, he changes a little bit in the books of First and Second Timothy where he adds mercy. But ultimately, Paul is always reminding his readers, grace to you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all, for you all are making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Even as you enter into the first couple words of this book, I thank my God and all remembrance of you, always in every prayer, making my prayer with joy. I love that. I love that. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Are there certain people that you pray for, I hope this is true, that you have in your prayer life that you just kind of say, I want to pray for that person. And as you pray for them, you just can't help but smile thinking about praying for that person. You're like, I just, I just love that guy. I just love how they, they just that friendship and what we have. And man, he's been with me and, or she's been with me through so many different things. And I just love it. Or your kids, like when you pray for your kids and the joy that comes and, and that big smile on your face. I've got a couple of Pauls in my life. Um, there's a Paul from college and a Paul from uh, after college uh, that when I pray for them, specifically when their name comes to mind, I'm like, oh, gosh, I just love them. I just, those, those guys, like I could go to them at any point, any time and they know me, I know them and I just love praying for them because I love what God's doing through them. Um, there's another guy I pray for out on the West Coast, and I, and I smile for praying about him for other reasons, <laughs> because there's some of our things that we, we uh, I pray for him for other reasons. Um, so <laughs> it's just fantastic. Um, but those certain people that come into your mind that you just pray and you love them, and then just, just cause that feeling of like, ah, oh, I love that. And Paul has those feelings as he's writing this letter to this church in Philippi. He's like, I just love these guys. I love this church. This church is awesome. This church is doing the right stuff. This is the one that's making my heart really, really happy. And you can think about praying for that person. Or here's the other question. Are you that person? How cool would that be that somebody, when they pray, they think of you. And when they think of you, they think, oh man, I love having them in my life. I just, I don't know what I would do without them. That's, that's, this, that's this letter. So you can think of it in Paul's way of saying, man, Paul's super excited. But then you can think of the Philippians hearing that Paul's excited and being like, Paul likes us best. <laughs> We're the best church plant. That's awesome. And so they loved it. And Paul has this huge just joy and appreciation for them. I love that. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel 
until now. He says, I think, I thank my God in all remembrance of all those things. And then he goes into verse six. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of, Christ, of Jesus Christ. There's a confidence of Christ's work in this church at Philippi. There's a confidence that brings Paul joy. And it wasn't so much the Philippians, it was the fact that Jesus, again, let's not get the two mixed up. He's saying that, that God himself, that Jesus Christ, was working in that church so amazingly that it brought him joy of what God was doing. And he was confident that what Christ began at the church in Philippi, even as a 10-year-old church plant, he was going to continue it. It's as if he could see who they were going to become. He was confident that Christ, he's going to work and he's making you, he's molding you. He is, he is enabling you to be this strong, confident church. It's like you look at your kids and you're like, man, I just want so much for them to be confident and I want them to love Jesus at 18 and I, I want them to make these wise choices and I want them to, to be a good moral person. But more than that, I want them to love Jesus more than I love Jesus and I want that for them. And, and you can look down the road and you can say, I have I don't know if you could say this or not, but Paul could. This is amazing. I have full confidence in Jesus that this is going to work. Now, here's the beauty. He doesn't say, I have full confidence in my kids. (laughs) I have full confidence in the church at Philippi. I have full confidence in God that he will make this work. And I am confident that he will bring it to the day of completion. That's encouraging. Imagine that, like being read to the church. And they're like, we're going to get it. We're going to nail it. This is going to be awesome. Like, Paul believes we can do this. And they're probably looking around the church like you would be, and you're kind of looking around like, I don't know if that guy's going to make it or she's going to make it, but we're going to make it. Like, he says we're going to make it. We're going to be this, and we're going to be confident in this that we are going to be the church that God uses in major, major ways. That's awesome. And then he says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. He says, you are with me, you join me, you enter in with me in a couple different things. He says, it's right for me to feel this way because you've joined me, you're part of my journey. He says, you are partakers with me of grace. And then he lists three things. He says, you're part of my imprisonment. You're part of my house arrest is what he's saying. You're here with me. When I think of having to spend another day with this guy chained to me, going out to get the mail again, this is ridiculous. It brings me joy that I have a church that I can think of that is doing the right things. And that brings me joy in my imprisonment. He says, in my defense of the gospel. In other words, that church at Philippi was a defense of the gospel. Think about that. That means that Paul could turn to the church of Philippi when people start doubting the message of Jesus Christ and he could say, yeah, I know you doubt who Jesus is. I know you don't believe it, but let me, let me show you a church that I planted and helped to plant. And let me just kind of show you the life that they're living. And that's going to prove to you that the gospel's legit. I've got proof through you in the defense of the gospel and the confirmation of the gospel, because here's what you know about Paul. <laughs> this poor guy who's chained to Paul was getting, was getting the, the message of Jesus Christ every single day at nauseum, probably, right? I mean, this poor guy was chained to the biggest evangelist known of the era of the day of the time, probably of ever, 
<laughs> so this poor guy's sitting down to like eat a meal. And he's like, hey, have you heard of Jesus yet? He's like, yeah, you told me five times before breakfast who Jesus is. And he's like, well, let me tell you again who Jesus is, right? I mean, this poor guy was like every single day, every single minute. I'm sure he's kind of like, can, can somebody sub in? Because I keep hearing it. But Paul says, hey, Philippi, hey, church, you're part of me as I share the gospel in my defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Paul is saying this, Lydia, who is the the lady who is the clothing lady, who is high end, a lot of money. Paul is saying, Lydia, guys, ladies, Jesus is using your love for me to encourage me in my imprisonment and to keep defending and confirming the gospel. Your joy and love, Philippi, Church of Philippi, is supplied by the same Jesus who is supplying my love and my joy. That's awesome. Again, let's not mix up that God is the God of joy and joy is not our God. God is God and joy is part of it. And he's saying that God is doing this work of filling up this joy in him that he can't help but express even as he explains and defends the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus fills Paul and then Jesus fills the Philippians so that the Philippians can fill Paul and Paul them. So if I were to draw this out, which I almost did, but I'm like, ah, it's kind of weird. But it's basically, if you think about it, it's God saying, I'm going to fill Paul and I'm going to fill the church in Philippi, which is about 700 miles away, mind you. I mean, this is, a, this is not a close church, okay? It probably took a long time to get from Philippi to where Paul was imprisoned. And, and so there's this long distance relationship happening with Paul in this church And yet he says, here's what I'm confident in, that Jesus who fills me with love and joy fills you at Philippi with love and joy. And because of that, we fill each other with love and joy. And if there's anything I feel like we need right here at this season of Christmas is to know that God supplies the joy. We just get to give it out to one another. And as we do that, as we live that out among each other here at Community Bible Church, that the joy of Christ just springs up. Why? Because we're around people who God is filling with joy and not being jerks at Christmas, right? I think we've seen enough of that this year that we don't need any more jerks in our life. We need people who are actually filled with joy to come into our life and and not fluff us up and give us fake stuff, but to come into our life and say, man, wouldn't you know it? God has been faithful this week. Wouldn't you know it? God is working this way in my life. Wouldn't you know it? God is doing some crazy, amazing things in my heart that was hardened and was really broke and heading into Christmas and, and, and yet God's finding me and bringing me out of my own skepticism and doubt and he's filling me with joy. I want to fill you with the same joy because Christ is the one who brings our joy. Verse eight, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Can you just get any more happy? Like, can you just get any more, like, rewarding that he loves this church? How I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. How Jesus loves you is how I love you. And I can't wait to see you again. You see, Paul is writing to this church in a way that is full of compassion, but it's, it's a relation, it's, it's highly relational, and it is a, a relationship that is produced and built on a love and appreciation for each other. And he says, God is my witness how much I love you guys and how much I can't wait to be with you. 
And then he ends this section with four prayers by Paul for the church so that they would have true joy. And here's where we want to close and end it a little bit this morning as well, is that as we think of the prayers that we could have over the Christmas season, this is one that I think we should really take stock of and say, man, could these be the prayers for us at community to be praying not only for ourselves, but specifically for those around us? Could we be praying these kind of prayers that Paul had for this church. And so let me kind of break these down for you this morning. Verse 9, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. So the first prayer is this, May your love abound more and more with the, with the two biggest things of knowledge and discernment. Here's, here's where God hit me this week. And I was prepping and I was getting this thing ready to go. And God really kind of stopped me at this verse And here's where I feel he wants to speak specifically, especially to you here and those online at Community Bible Church. Paul's prayer is for me, and it's also for us here. He says, may our love abound more and more. And as I was thinking about Thanksgiving, I was prepping for this thing, I thought, man, it's that thing of like Thursday you eat, Thursday evening you eat, Friday you eat, Friday evening you eat, Saturday you eat, and by Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, you're like, could we, let's not have ham or turkey, right? Because you've had so much of it, and just kind of like more and more and more. And I thought of that, and I thought of Thanksgiving coming up, and it was at that moment that it was like this eye-opening thing that God in his graciousness met me in my prepping and planning and said, I want that kind of fullness for you. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And I'm still working that out. But I feel like he wants that even for this church, that I want to fill you more and more and more and more to where you get to the point where you're like, I just can't handle any more goodness from him. He's just been so good and so faithful. And every step of the way, he's just there. And even when I screw up and mess up on a consistent basis, he's still there. He's still for me. He's still with me. And he's still making my joy abound. Even when I want to be skeptical and be grumpy and not do the things I should do and not be around people because I've had enough of people, whatever situation you're in, he says, I want to fill you to full fullness in me. And it was right at that point that I went into an Advent, uh, kind of drawn to this Advent that we're going to be doing as a family um, for, the, for the season. And it's one called, uh, I think it's the Indescribable in something, it's a Piper one by, I can't remember the title right now. I think it's Indestructible Joy, I think is the, the title of it. But, but it's Piper and he writes this Advent thing and he says in this, there's this idea of fullness that he begins the book with. And he says there's certain types of fullness that Christ promises, that God promises to us as we think about abounding more and more. And here's a couple of things. A divine fullness and an infinite fullness is, is, is available to God himself. In other words, it's not just something that I create, it's not something that I sustain, it's a fullness that God will sustain in us. So if you've had that year, if you've had that month where you're like, I can't make myself feel happy, good. I can't pull myself out of the dips of this depression anymore, good. I can't, I can't make it, I can't fake it anymore, I can't be... Um, says, I have that available for you, but it only comes through a relationship and an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that maybe this Christmas is, that's his message for you, is I want to fill you with this infinite and fullness that you just know how good I am. 
He says also that it's an accessible fullness. I love that. It's a glorious fullness. In other words, it's weighty, it's heavy, it's something only he produces. It's a fullness that is only in his son to deliver that kind of fullness. It's a fullness that is blessed in every way through his fullness, if that makes any sense at all. And it is rooted in rock-solid reality. I think we just kind of think, well, Christmas is ethereal, and I think I can be happy and joyful, and maybe if I listen to the right music or the right thing, then maybe I'll be there. But God's saying, no, 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 no. Jesus offers this fullness and a pursuit of it so that we would abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. So get this, knowledge and discernment, not that you would abound more and more in tolerance or in happiness. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that you would abound more and more in safety. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say that you would abound more and more in your love and joy. He doesn't say that. He says knowledge and discernment because it is the only way to know true love that we mentioned earlier in fullness. Knowledge only comes from an omniscient God and he has all the wisdom we could ever need. Discernment then is how we really apply that knowledge of his love in our lives. And so as you think of love multiplying more and more, it's knowing who Jesus is, which amplifies your love for him. And then there's a discernment that comes with it. And that's how we apply that love in relationship to other people. It's a knowledge and discernment. And all of it is done in relationship to those who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's lived out in the church. It's lived out in our spouses. It's lived out in our kids this holiday season. And as one commentator says, the love for which he is praying is that which comes from the heart of God who is omniscient, infinitely discerning, and fully aware of all the deficiencies of his creatures and yet is impelled to love because he is a God of love. Such love, this is awesome, such love cannot be static but must abound more and more and more because it's alive, it's moving, it's active And Paul says of God, he says it this way in Colossians chapter 2, 2 and 3. I pray that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. He puts it this way in Ephesians 3. May you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with what? With the fullness of God. That's my prayer. Is that this season, this church, we'd be filled with the fullness of God and overflowing into the lives of others with this fullness of God's love and joy in our life. Fullness is divinely linked with God-given knowledge and God-given discernment. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. That's the first prayer he gives us. And I believe it's not just Paul's prayer, but Christ's prayer for you. Because as I was prepping, it's like he kept repeating those words over and over and over again. As we thought of this series, it's, I, I want to develop this in you. I'm praying for you. I'm for you in this. And so Community Bible Church, maybe, maybe you just need to hear that this morning, that Christ is for you. He is for 
you. He doesn't just love you because he has to. He infinitely, divinely likes you. If you're exhausted, you have a God who shelters you in place, wraps you up, says, don't believe the lies that you've been told this whole year about who I am, but instead, go to the Bible, go to truth of who I am. And it was in that moment, can I just be honest with you? It was in that moment that I just felt like I just collapsed. And it was just like this overwhelming protection and psalms kept coming to mind of being under his wings and being held in clefts of rocks and and this whole thing that God says, I am for you. Watch what I do during this season. And I pray that he does. I pray that we trust him to do that. Because Paul's prayer was not just for the church, but it's for us today. And when we hear that, that brings joy Joy that I have a God who is praying for me. Isn't that crazy? You have a God who is 24-7 interceding on your behalf to the Father for you. He's praying for you right now. I almost, I felt like it was almost praying that same prayer that he said to Peter. Peter, I pray that Satan doesn't shift you as wheat. But I pray that you remain strong through this season. And I pray that maybe that's the prayer for us, church, that as he fills you with joy, he says, don't give up, don't stop, because there's a joy to be found on the other side. And I'm praying for you. God is praying for me. He's praying for you. He's praying for this church's health and strength despite its pastor. He is praying for the growth and the development of this church to reach greater people in the years to come. Because it's his church. And then Paul ends with three other prayers um, that are in the last two verses. He says in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He prays that they may approve what is excellent, that they may approve what is good and helpful for the church's growth and development. I pray that you would approve what is excellent and not run from it. And then he says in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That as you seek this joy, as he fills you, he he fills you so that the sin is pushed out of us. And then we can be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And here's the beauty. He's changing some things in you, but here's the also reality. He's already changed you. That's the gospel. Isn't that amazing? He's making you more like his son on our journey to heaven. At the same time, his work on the cross through his son has already made you perfect and blameless as you received him. That's too good. That's too good. It means he's already done the work. He's already viewing you as perfect, and yet he's making you more so. Joel, that doesn't make any sense. It's either one or the other, to which I say, go to the Bible, go to your word, because it's true. He's doing both. And I believe he's doing both because there's a position that we have in him, but there's also the ability that as he makes you pure and blameless, you are a better representation of him to your family and to those around you on the way to Jesus. If it's just about the thing of like, I was born, I I accepted Jesus, I've got a relationship with Jesus, I'm good, I'm going to make it to heaven. If it's just about that, you could be the the biggest jerk to everybody else around you for the rest of the the time here on earth and get to heaven. You're like, I'm here, God. 
He says, but, but did you grow in holiness and pureness as you went through? Because that has an effect on other people. And that's the thing he's saying here. This, this approving was excellent. This pure and blameless is for the church and the growth of the church. I love that. And then he ends with verse 11. I pray not only that you would approve what is excellent, be pure and blameless, grow more and more in knowledge. But my last prayer is that you be filled with the fruit of righteousness, <clears throat> which is something only the Spirit is able to do. I pray that you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Why? So that the church looks good, so that you get a good reputation? No, I pray that you are filled with the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let's not confuse the God of joy with joy being God. And joy is oftentimes a choice and one that is difficult to choose. But yet, he says, you have, if you have a relationship with me, I desire to fill you with fullness so that your joy would abound, so that your love would abound more and more and more. Community, I'm excited to see what God does through this series. I, I I've been looking through this thing and as I've plotted out the weeks heading into Christmas, I just, everything from anxiety to, to just being stubborn gets broken through this book as we think of a God who is a God of joy, who is for us, who came down as an infant to live a life that we didn't uh, deserve for him to live and yet did so because he loves us. As we close out this morning, we're going to sing a song of an anthem and a declaration. And I pray this is true for you as we sing this out. And so as we sing, I pray that you let the words kind of resonate, not just out of your lips, but in your heart. And then we're going to leave here in that, in that celebration of this song together. And so if you would, please stand with me. I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to dive, out, uh, dive into this, this anthem as we, as we close out. Awesome. Awesome. God, thank you so much for this book. God, thank you so much for Paul writing it and this church of Philippi. God, thank you so much for an amazing church that was authentic, that was loving, that was caring, that, that caused Paul's heart to just rejoice. That whenever he prayed for this church, he just smiled. He just loved them. God, I pray that that would happen for us at community, that as we think about each other in this room and those yet to be here even, we would smile in anticipation because we just love what you're doing in their life. We pray that as we go out, that these would be our words, God, that you have promised to be a God who delivers our fullness and our joy, and we trust you with it. In your prayer, amen. <laughs>